Good morning. How are you guys? All right. Who knows what they're getting for Christmas? Hands, come on, be honest. You already know what you're getting for Christmas. All right, who's buying, who, who in here is actually buying your own gifts? That's how you know what you're getting for Christmas. All right, listen, I know as we get older, you know, this, some of the surprise element factor of Christmas kind of loses its, you know, its surprise and, and funness and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if we're not careful, we might get the label of Grinch. Um, I, I've actually been called a Grinch mostly because I just don't like putting up Christmas decorations. I know, I know, it's lame. But um, for those of us who actually know what we're getting for Christmas, that's not what gets us excited, is it? Getting Christmas presents. What gets us excited still is watching somebody who doesn't know what they're getting for Christmas. Like your kids, when they open up their present and they just, their whole body just explodes and it's like a confetti goes off in your, in your living room. That's exciting. Even for a Grinch. I, I, even, even Grinches. Okay, so um, that's what I hope today is that we don't allow this Grinchness to, uh, to creep into our, our, our relationship with God and with, with each other um, and our mission. Because we've heard the story so many times, the Christmas story that it can kind of lose its surprise because we already know the ending. We already know kind of the elements of the story. Um, but, but here's what's exciting. Just like, just like watching somebody else who doesn't know what they're getting for Christmas, that's exciting. The same is true for the people who don't know that God has the greatest gift for them. That's what we can get excited about. That's what keeps getting us excited and bringing back the joy of the Christmas story is that Man, this, this special gift, this surprise is for everyone. So that's what we're talking about today. I hope we remember that. Um, and the birth, of, uh, the birth of Jesus was a surprise on so many levels. And that's what we're going to kind of unpack today. The, the story, the birth of any child really can be a surprise, can't it? Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little vulnerable with you. I'm going to share uh, uh, kind of my family, my, my story, a little bit of, of my family. My, uh, my parents had complications um, having kids. My, my mom had many miscarriages, so many that she wrote a book about it. Um, uh, overall, she had 10 miscarriages. And during that time, um, she was having me. And, and they actually declared me as a miscarriage as well. Um, so she went in for a regular checkup. I don't remember how far along she was. But she had had many miscarriages up to that point, and so she went in for a, a checkup, and her regular doctor was not in town. So the doctor that was there did an ultrasound, couldn't find a heartbeat, said, you've miscarried, and they wanted to do a DNC, which would have killed me, okay? She, she didn't believe that. Like, she just, she felt like God had told her that she was going to have this kid, and so... Um, Plus the emotions, you know, like she didn't want to have another miscarriage. She couldn't believe what she had heard. Um, and so she said, she said, I, I don't want to get the DNC today. I, I want to go home for a few days. I want to pray. I don't want to give it some time. And when my doctor gets back in town, I'll come back in for another checkup. And of course, over those few days, she prayed hard. She got her whole church to, to come together and pray with her. And sure enough, she comes back a few days later and her doctor's in town and they find a heartbeat. And uh, so she calls me her miracle baby. And so that makes me special. I'm special. I know. Look, look, I know, I know, I know. I'm special. <laughs> I mean, what would, what would life be like if I wasn't here? Can you imagine? <laughs> it's ridiculous. So 
look, um, some children are unplanned, right? Uh, a big surprise. None bigger. So you thought that was a, a, a kind of a cool story. I think this is even a little more incredible. After all those miscarriages that my mom had and all the complications, I had, I, I can't, when I came onto the scene, I was, I was the youngest of three. They really wanted to adopt uh, another child because they really wanted one more child. Um, and so they were like looking to adopt. And it, long story short, we ended up adopting four kids. Okay, I was six years old at the time. We adopted a family of four. And they, they said, we're done. <laughs> we're not, we can't have any more kids. You know, we already had so many complications. Anyway, so my dad went and got a vasectomy. Guess what happened? Surprise. My little sister came along. Even after all the complications, even after my dad had a vasectomy. So guess what? Sometimes God just wants that baby. He just wants it. He wants it to come on. So my little sister thinks that she's the special one. But it's really me. I'm the miracle baby. So... Um, Maybe you've, had to have, maybe you've tried to have kids. Maybe you've had complications, uh, maybe for a long time, and you just thought, it's never going to happen. And then, bam, one day, pregnant. That's, I was just talking to somebody after the first service. They came up and talked to me. They were like multiple stories in, the, in their family of this exact same situation. So what a joyful surprise it is. And I'll tell you a little bit more about my family, too. My oldest sister was told she could not have kids. And for years and years and years, her and her husband tried to have kids, and they couldn't. They just couldn't. One day, she, she uh, came to church, and uh, she went up, and she asked for some prayer. And the ladies in the church laid hands on her, and the, the elders, and they, they prayed for her. And guess what? The next week, pregnant. And she's had three kids since, and she regularly praises God for opening a door that no man can open. So that's, that is what happens sometimes. You just never know. I know people that have had infertility issues um, and, and miscarriages and things like that. And they just, they, they give up they say, you know what, let's just adopt. And they decide to adopt. And then the next thing you know, they're pregnant. Um, we had a worship leader here like about a year ago. That, that, that happened to her. Um, they, they were told they couldn't have kids. They adopted. And then next thing you know, they're pregnant. Um, let's talk, let's take a minute and talk about the spirit of adoption though. It's a very... It's an amazing thing. It's a surprise for that kid that gets adopted. It's a huge deal. It's a big deal. It's not for everybody to adopt. And I can tell you right now, it's not easy. Um, not because I adopted, uh, have adopted, but, but as, a, as a sibling of an adopted um, family, it, it, is, it is difficult. It's not, it's not for everybody. But this year, we, and there, there is 100, over 120,000 children needing adopted in the U.S. today. So the, the need is great. And we know that some Christians um, in, in this church, and, and maybe you guys already know some people as well, that are considering it. But we don't want some of the extra financial burdens to be an issue. So what we're doing is every dollar that you guys donate between December 13 and 19, we are going to use every single dollar to help families adopt so if you know of anybody or if you're considering it prayerfully considering it um, we know it's not for everybody but we really want to encourage you to think about it ponder and think about it and see if it's for you so look the the announcement to Mary um, that she was going to have a baby was a huge surprise because she had never been with a man she was a virgin right so her world was completely turned upside down um, 
and, and without warning, an angel came and said, yo, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she was like, what? Hold up. Wait a minute. Put a little love in it. Um, but it was, kind of, it was interesting because it wasn't just like, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. That alone was like, uh, huh? What? How? Um, but not only that, it's going to be the promised Messiah, the king, the savior of the world. That is huge. So let's read about it. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed. That's a fun word. It means engaged, um, but, but a little more serious than that. Um, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. So, okay, lots of surprises right here in this beginning of the story here. So first, virgin conception. Mary was a godly Jewish girl, probably a teenager based on the age where people got married back then. And look, I know that a virgin birth is crazy to, to, to believe or think about today. But guess what? It was crazy back then too. It wasn't like Mary was like, oh, virgin birth, cool. I'm glad that happened to me. I've heard of that happening. No, she was like shocked. She, she was the first one to question, um, how though <laughs> is that gonna happen? Because I'm a virgin, yo. Um, I know you're a glowing angel and everything and you probably know what you're talking about, but this is impossible. She was in shock. So um, the question is, okay, this is supernatural occurrence like no other um, and, and pondering it. And look, our entire faith really rests on the significance of it. But look, the question is, is like, why though? Why did Jesus have to be born of a virgin? And the answer is because it guarantees that he could be fully God and fully man. The only one qualified to be savior of the world. It's called incarnation because God coming in the flesh, if Jesus was divine, then we would expect nothing less than a virgin birth. If he wasn't divine, then a virgin birth is completely unnecessary. So the angel also said, look, uh, surprise, it's a boy. You're going to have a, a boy. This was the only time a gender of a baby was revealed or announced before the conception. Before that, obviously, people didn't know the sex of the baby until they were born. So Mary really, truthfully, was the first ever to have a reveal party. Okay, so all these, uh, you know, all these people today um, that are having reveal parties, guess what? It was happening way back then. Um, so it is cool how technology allows us to find out earlier now. So you, you can decide, do I want to be surprised? Do I want to find out? Do I want to have a reveal party and have everybody find out at the same time? Kind of like these pictures on the screen. Um, you guys have all seen it, people popping the balloons and having that kind of fun. But look, even with technology, sometimes we still get surprised, don't we? 
Like this mother, this couple um, in North Carolina, they were expecting their third daughter. And on the day, she was holding her son. <laughs> she was totally, completely surprised. <laughs> and by the way, that picture did go viral. Um, so look, Mary knew, though, from day one. She knew from day one that she was going to have a boy, which is kind of incredible if you think about it. And God became human and he came in as a man. Well, he came in as a male, okay? He didn't come as a man, he came as a baby. But still, he came in as a male um, and it's not insignificant that he came in as a, as a man because, you know, he's the son of God. It was purposeful. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't arbitrary. And look, nobody gets to choose the gender. It, that's, not the, that's not the big point of this story. Like, oh man, the angel told her she's going to have a son. Like, that's not fair. Wait, <laughs> let's get it straight. None of us get to choose the gender. But also, she didn't get to choose the name. Can you imagine not being able to choose the name of your own child? It's like, yo, you're, you're going to have a son and his name is going to be Jesus. Thanks, all the work's done for me, right? So look, I, I think Mary wins hashtag humble award because she didn't even get to choose the name of her child. I don't know anybody in this room that'd be okay with that today. <laughs> like, uh, no, 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 I already have a name picked out. I bought the name book. I'm set, thank you, but I, I will choose the name. Uh, so look, the angel told Mary that her son would have a name. Jesus, very significant name. It means what he was coming to do right, to be the savior of the world. That's what the name Jesus means, salvation, the Lord saves. First Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So God is spirit. He is not, uh, he's not a gender. He's, he's not, uh, he doesn't have physicality. He's spirit, but he always revealed himself to us in masculine terms. God's pronouns have always been he, him, okay? So when he did come into the world physically, it was as a male. And I understand today is very confusing uh, for some people in, in, our, in our culture that think that based on their feelings, like how they feel, they can um, choose their gender. And, and that we're all sort of insignificant as far as our gender because it, it's kind of malleable and you could just choose and and it's very confusing these days, but let's, let's make it clear. God made male and female in his image. We cannot transgender in God's eyes. It's impossible. So Jesus fulfills his role as Messiah through the male roles as prince and king and high priest. He's called the groom of his bride, the church. In fact, this relationship is the basis for our marital relationships. In Ephesians 5, it says, right, that, that the men are supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And the church submits itself to Christ just like a wife submits itself to, to the husband. We have equal worth in, and value in God's sight. But God did choose to, us to have different roles for a reason. There's a purpose behind it. Um, and it's a good thing. In fact, Mary played a role that only a woman could play, the, the honored role of mother. So look, 1 Corinthians 11, 11 through 12, nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man nor man of woman. For as woman was made in man, so man is, is now born of woman. So how important is Mary? Scripture actually doesn't talk about her a whole lot, um, yet... 
plenty of people in churches, Roman, you know, Catholics, they, they, they practice this almost like worship of, of Mary. They make statues and big statues in their churches, little ones in their dashboards, little, you know, ones in their garden, things like that. And they really elevate her to a place that scripture does not elevate her to. The Bible doesn't elevate her to that degree, but puts an emphasis on Jesus as the son of God, the perfect man, savior and mediator. So obviously Mary wasn't perfect. Um, she needed a savior just like everyone else. Um, she, she can be honored though, because she, she shared her DNA with God um, in, in a very unique way, uh, a way that nobody else got to do. And so um, pretty, pretty cool and we can honor her, but nothing more, she's still nothing more than a human. Um, I think that, you know, some people, some people, you know, elevate her to this position. But really, when you look at scripture, she's not pictured as being excited or prideful about this or being chosen. Like she was humbled by it. Scripture talks about how she would ponder these things in her heart about who Christ was and that she got to raise this child who's going to be the Messiah. Like she, she was almost like quietly making a mental scrapbook. And she probably, you know, probably had mixed emotions of fear and questions like, am I really up to the task of raising the son of God? Like, what if he turns out to be a brat and doesn't turn out like the way God expected? Like, probably had a lot of questions surrounding that. Um, But he's the only one ever in the history of the world conceived in this unique way. The wonder of realizing this was, was the one promised by the prophets in century, uh, for centuries, the one who's gonna rescue Israel, the one who will sit on King David's throne and save the world. It's like the song, you know, Mary, did you know? Yes, she did, she knew, because the angel told her. She knew, and she knew the prophecies, and she knew the, you know, the significance of it all. Did she know everything? Did she know that in 33 years later, that little baby that she was coddling would was, was be on a, on a cross in agony. She didn't know everything, but she knew the significance and she was pondering these things in her heart and she was humbled for being chosen for this task. And I don't think it was until she saw her son resurrect from the dead that she fully realized what it meant to be the Messiah. That the promised deliverance would not be for Israel to be taken back from the Roman Empire, but that the people could be delivered from their sins and from hell. As Christmas Day approaches, I think many of us could use some quiet reflection. While God is trying to tell us what his will is for the world and his eternal plans, we're struggling to, you know, figure out and juggle around our schedules to make everybody happy. And while God is trying to show us his infinite love and mercy, we're trying to light up kids' eyes with the story of a jolly man coming down a chimney. While God is trying to break through to tell us the way of salvation and life and joy and peace, we're trying to find the perfect gifts within our budget to make everybody have temporary happiness. So I hope that you're going to ponder these things. I hope that you're going to take some time to carefully consider um, what God has done for you and to deliberately evaluate where you stand with God. The message of Christmas at its heart is not one of being merry and jolly. It's actually a story of the king of the universe coming into a very messed up world. We were pitiful and messed up because of sinfulness. 
So it's not, it's, not a, it's not a happy, jolly reason why we have this story. It's because we're a mess. And so the gift of Jesus is like receiving a gift that you didn't ask for or maybe you didn't really want, like kids getting socks on Christmas morning going, gee, thanks, Mom. <laughs> How did you know? You know, they don't love it, but look, they don't know the significance. They need those socks. They really do. Um, or like, like when you open up a gift on, on Christmas and it's like a self-help book or hygiene products. How many of you guys ever get hygiene products and that's the moment you know, you're like, are you trying to tell me something? Do I stink? Is that what's going on here? Are you trying to tell me I stink? Okay, so look, Christmas tells me that Jesus came into the world to save us from punishment of sins. That he came into this messed up world and from our messed up thinking and our wrong-headed and corrupt hearts and to lift our burdens and our shame and our guilt and to bring us salvation. So the big idea today, you're probably not gonna remember it, but if you just remember this one word, incarnation, and if you forget what it means, go look it up. But here's the big idea, ponder the importance of the incarnation. Christmas can hold no significant surprises for you unless a change takes place in your life caused by Jesus. Would it make a difference? Would it, would it change your attitudes towards the holiday if we stopped and paused and took some time, more time in the word of God instead of the mall, more time on BibleGateway.com or YouVersion than Amazon.com, Walmart.com, and for my musician friends in the room, Reverb.com. Okay, what if we got inspired to see someone learn about and receive this gift from God, the greatest gift ever for the first time? What if, what if we got to see that surprise on their face? They may have heard the story a million times. They may think they know about who Jesus is, but the moment they actually receive that gift, it is a surprise because they had no idea the significance of it all. And, and how it can really change their life. And so that's what I'm focused on this, this season. I hope you will be too. If you're ready to follow Jesus, text or email your name to what's on the screen or come up during this next song. Meet with one of my friends. Ask questions. We're not afraid of questions, even tough questions, tough topics. Um, if you're already a Christ follower, there's a lot of different ways that you can respond in the next few moments. Um, if you're worshiping by giving back to him today, you can do so uh, through the app, the boxes in the back of the door, through the snail mail, all those good ways. If you're a guest, obviously no feel, don't feel obligated. We actually have something for you out in, the, out in the lobby by the point. We have a gift for you. You're invited to share in uh, this next moment of communion. Um, when you come in each week, you pick up your communion. There's, there's two tabs on it. So eat and drink the, the juice and the bread, which represents Christ's body and blood. That was shed for us and proclaim your belief in the gospel um, and, and, your, and your need for a savior and in the significance and value of our fellowship. That's what we do every week when we get together. Um, over the next few moments, I want to pray with, for us and, and uh, I hope you guys will reflect on your relationship with God. Um, confess anything that stands in the way or keeps you far away from, from God this season. Um, so let's go ahead and, and come to him in prayer. Father, thank you for sending Jesus into the world to save people like me who aren't worthy. I can't save myself. I'm destined for destruction and eternal separation from you. I, and I'm, I'm just never gonna be good enough. I'm always gonna miss the mark. So thank you for the surprising 
Christmas miracle of identifying with us in humanity, coming to this messed up world to save a wretch like me. I thank you that we don't have to keep going around empty and purposeless and confused, looking for meaning and more out of life because I found it in you, Jesus. If you're ready to take that next step in faith and become a follower, then pray this with me. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. I believe you came to be born so that you could really take my place, dying as my substitute, the sacrifice that restores me back to you. I believe you are Lord Jesus. I submit myself to you and I'm sorry for the distance my wrongs have put between us because I I wanted to be in charge of my own life. I wanted to do things my way and that led me to some pretty bad choices and pretty bad places. So I'm turning to you now and I'm putting all my trust, all my hope in you, Jesus. Just like a gift on Christmas morning, I accept it with grace. Not because I deserve it, but because you love me. God, I love you and I want want you to be God with me, Emmanuel, from now on. I pray all these things in your name.